Um, all right, guys, let's dig into it. The first thing we're going to look at today is my newest article in the series of My Day with the Socialists. We are going to be looking at, well, first, I'm going to tell you what it was like when I got to Hampshire College for the Collective Power Conference. And then I just want to take you through a quick tour of some of the session presentation titles uh, from the conference. So let's dig in. And I have titled this the abortion storytellers, because there is a presenter at this conference who literally has in their bio that they are an abortion storyteller. So I'm just using their own their own language to classify them. I think it's totally above board. I may have, you know, juxtaposed it with a really shocking picture for uh, extra drama. But, you know, I'm just using their own language. Let's read. Why go to a socialist reproductive justice conference? Because for the last seven months on my main YouTube channel, we have gathered every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern time to watch real socialism in action. It's called Socialism Saturday. We watch the farthest of the far left, the real deal, self-identified Marxist, socialists, and communists talk about how they view the world. I have spent hundreds of hours watching people like this from afar. I wanted to be able to experience it in person. It's exactly like when I went to the Trump rally as a Democrat, but in reverse. Except the event did not convince me to leave the libertarians and to become a socialist, I'm still firmly in the camp of the anarcho-capitalists. In fact, I had the idea to go to the Socialist Conference live on an episode of Socialism Saturday, and I'm such a stealthy undercover journalist that I can literally announce what I'm doing and where I'm going live on the internet, and the targets of my reporting still have no idea what's happening. And we're not going to watch the clip now, but I did post the clip on the channel earlier today. So if you actually want to see the moment from the last episode of Socialism Saturday, where I had the grand epiphany to go to the Socialist Conference, uh, you can see that on the channel right now. When I arrived at Hampshire College in Western Massachusetts on Saturday morning, I encountered a group of at least two dozen women, young women, I should say, arriving for the event, like a field trip or a group activity. Many of them were wearing collective power shirts and carrying collective power bags. I later learned that these were all interns with the organization, a robust funnel to recruit and train future social justice warriors. I really want to emphasize this. Conferences like this are designed to get the newly indoctrinated college students into the funnel where they become professional activists. The right doesn't have anything like this. What they have is Turning Point USA, who occasionally throws a party. But they don't have what the left has. The left has an actual concerted effort to take the children, these students, young adults, what have you, from college and put them into a recruiting funnel to get them into the activist organizations. And the conference program says as much. They are very focused on recruiting young people on college campuses and getting them into the pipeline to work in activist organizations. And you can see here the collective power for reproductive justice has been engaging young people in reproductive health rights and justice activism since 1981. They've been doing this a long time. Jen says, I can't believe you had to sit there, not laugh as you went through abortion Jewish storytelling. Well, I didn't go to the abortion storytelling session. And there are, I think, two 
abortion storytelling sessions. So a lot of the a lot of the sessions at the conference, they were breakout sessions. So there were a lot of them happening at the same time. You could only pick two. And there were actually abortion storytelling sessions, but I didn't go because I went to other sessions. I wish I had gone to all of them. I mean, there were so many sessions that I wanted to go to, um, but I did not actually go to the abortion storytelling ones. Thank you for the super chat, Jen. I appreciate it. When I registered for the conference, I had to upload proof of vaccination. When I checked in, I was allowed to pick up a COVID test, but they didn't require I report the results to them. It was more of an honor system, which I actually thought was kind of considerate. I knew I didn't have COVID, and so I declined. All attendees were required to wear a mask, which actually worked to my benefit in this particular case. There were also helpful baskets of supplies right next to registration. They had every type of condom you could want. They even had dental dams. We were at Hampshire College after all, and they even provided free lube. So this was literally right next to the registration table. You've got all sorts of condoms. You've got lube right here. You've got unlubricated condoms, latex condoms, like non-latex condoms, uh, other types of condoms, flavored condoms, ribbed condoms. They had a whole bowl of dental dams. They had like all of the, if you wanted to get busy at this, at this conference, you had all the tools you needed to do it. Sadly, there were no men. Well, there were very few men there. And if they were there, they were obviously gay. Um, so, you know, it, it was what it was, but you could take some home with you just in case. It's always nice to have extra. We had to make our own name tag. I used my initials, KB, not to hide my identity, but because I find it's easier for people to pronounce and will often use it at events when I don't feel like explaining how to say my name. I also had to write my pronouns on my badge. I selected she, her, but I had to announce my pronouns several times throughout the day, and I kept changing it up for fun. Sometimes I was they, she, sometimes I was she, they. You get the idea. And so you can see my name badge right here. Sadly, I didn't take a picture of it while it was still nice. And then I got caught in the rain. And so it's looking a little haggard now, but you guys get the idea. But the reason I wanted to actually show you this is look what it says on the back of the badge. It says for a private chest, for a private room, like private rooms for chest feeding are available. So if you brought a young one to the abortion conference and you needed a room to chest feed that baby, you could ask for a private room to chest feed. We were also allowed to select a sticker to place on our name tag to let people know whether or not we felt like talking to and meeting new people. We were also allowed to change our sticker throughout the day as the mood changed. And, and this is actually not the first conference I've seen this at. The first time I ever saw this was, I think, back in 2019 when I was still a Democrat and it was at this conference that I went to for like 11 years in a row. And all of a sudden they started springing up with all this social justice bullshit at the conference. And one of the things they sprung up with was this sticker system where if you wanted to talk to people, you're supposed to put a green sticker on your badge. If you only want to talk to some people, you're supposed to put a yellow sticker. And if you don't want anyone to talk to you at the conference, you're supposed to put a red sticker on the badge. I always thought this was stupid. You want to know why? Because I'm an adult and I don't need to express my feelings via a sticker 
on my name badge. I think that's a juvenile and stupid. And so I refused to do the sticker thing back then, even when I was still a Democrat and I was around all my friends and my friends were actually the ones that came up with the sticker plan. And this, so I've, I've, I've seen the sticker thing before. I think it's lazy. I think it's, it's juvenile. I think it infantilizes people. And I think it uh, incentivizes people to not act like, you know, adults. But that's just me. They also had a note about it in the conference program. You can realize, you can read that if you want. I also couldn't help but notice the permanent signs for the bathrooms in the building were for self-identified men and women. And it was a little shocking to me that at Hampshire College, they still apparently buy into the gender binary. So we've got these signs. These were the bathroom signs, self-identified women and self-identified men. And on that little plaque underneath, it says, Hampshire College expects that all members of our community will let people self-identify their genders and their gender pronouns they use to describe themselves. Isn't that nice? There was also this lovely mural on one of the main academic buildings the conference was held in. Students had written things in the roots above the tree or under in the roots of the tree. And I've shown you a few close-ups. So there's this really large mural on one of the buildings. It is our duty to fight for our freedom. And here are some of the close-ups of some of the things people said. So we got a good old disrupt whiteness. For those of you who are new to the channel, pop quiz for the chat. What does whiteness mean? Is whiteness about your skin color? Or is it whiteness about something else? When you hear a socialist or someone on the left say disrupt whiteness, what are they telling you to disrupt? Let's see if my regulars have been paying attention. <clears throat> It's not about whiteness. It's about capitalism, 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 capitalism. If it is news to you that whiteness means capitalism, the reason we say this is because we watch Socialism Saturday every single week on my channel. And when you watch Socialism Saturday, you learn that they use the terms whiteness and capitalism interchangeably. So anyone who tells you that whiteness is about skin color, they don't know what they're talking about. Whiteness is about who owns the power structure, who is the boss, who is the bourgeois, who is the landlord, who is the property owner. Because ultimately, what these people want to do is abolish all private property. They want the, the, the dictatorship of the proletariat. They want the workers to rise up. So they call it whiteness because they play with language to confuse you. And they want us fighting each other rather than understanding what they're doing. But that's what it means. Whiteness means capitalism. Anytime you see whiteness, white supremacy, or racist, or any of these things, you have to think capitalism. We've also got your silence is violence. We've got uh, lots of stuff about black femmes and knowing and all this stuff. Stay angry. This is indigenous land. You can see that there. I'll scroll up a little bit. Well, no, it's not. No, 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 no. Because you can be considered white and not have white skin. So we don't play this game on my channel. Whiteness has nothing to do with your skin color. You can be black as night and be considered white under this ideology. Ask Larry Elder, because they said that Larry Elder was the new black face of white supremacy in the Los Angeles Times. Larry Elder is very black. 
So what types of things do they present at a socialist reproductive justice conference? In the rest of this article, I will show you the presentation schedule and the descriptions. I will detail the content of the presentations in a separate article. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to walk you through and just talk to you about some of the session titles. I am not going to give you my session notes yet because I want to do that in a separate article because I took a lot of notes and I'm trying to break down all of this information to make it really digestible for everyone. So I'm giving you a little bit at a time. If I if I put my session notes in with this, it would be completely overwhelming and I don't want to do that. So we're going to break down the session notes separately. But what I am going to do is I'm going to read you the presentation titles and show you some of the people who are presenting at this conference. So the first opening panel, and this was a panel of like four people, and everyone at the conference attended this panel. It was on at the same time as breakfast. It's called Synopsis of Oppression and uh, Strategies for Change. Using an intersectional reproductive lens, the people on the panel will identify some of the through lines of the recent anti-trans and anti-abortion attacks and share how we can foster hope, build resilience and solidarity at this political moment. How can we lift up trans and BIPOC liberation and see beyond the threats of opposition now? So anytime you hear the words liberation or abolish, you're almost always dealing with socialists. Okay. Now, I will say one of the things that was ironic about this main kind of conference breakfast panel. They spent more time talking about trans people than I did. they did about abortion. They spent most of this panel talking about trans people. This was supposed to be a reproductive justice conference. Why are they spending all their time on trans people? Hmm. Moving on, and I'm going to have more to come about that. This is Heron. This is my new socialist bestie. She was on the panel. Oh, sorry, they, they, I, I really don't mean to screw up the pronouns. It really is an accident. So this is Heron. We're going to talk about Heron some more in a sec. I put some I basically put some tweets um, along with the uh, the presentation so you can kind of get a sense of who these people are. Next, we move into our breakout sessions and there were a lot of breakout sessions. All right. So I'm just going to read you some uh, some titles and uh, and talk about the content. So healing justice 101. What would happen to our world if we understood that healing was deeply connected to the dismantling of racism, transphobia, massage noir. Do you guys know what massage noir is? Let me know in the chat if you know what massage noir is. That's a new term that I learned this weekend. Ableism, white supremacy, and capitalism. Why are they mentioning capitalism in a conference about reproductive justice and abortion? One of the things you learn when you watch the woke left from start to finish, which we do on Happy Hours on Friday and on Socialism Saturday, is that in every single presentation these people do, they are denouncing capitalism. Because whiteness is not about skin color, it is only about capitalism. And these are Marxists that want a Marxist revolution. The four goals of the woke left are always and forever. Gain as much power as possible, destabilize the system, attack capitalism, usher in a Marxist utopia. Everything they do is designed to achieve one or more of those goals. Gain as much power as possible. Destabilize the system. Attack capitalism. Usher in a Marxist utopia. I promise you, if you memorize those four points and you look for them in every single thing that the woke left does, you will see exactly how it's showing up. Misogyny, you guys are right. It's about misogyny against black women. 
It's about specifically targeting black women. Exactly. Exactly. Healing justice is a framework that aims to intervene and respond to generational trauma and systematic oppression to build community and survivor-led responses rooted in Southern traditions of resiliency. Then they had, these people are obsessed with eugenics. There were at least two sessions on eugenics. These people honestly believe that there is a concerted effort to kill off all black and brown and trans people. Like, I mean, I have never heard so much talk about eugenics. I've been hanging out with the right for a while, kind of like observing them. The right never talks about this stuff. You know who talks about eugenics? The far left. So there was a workshop called uh, Population Control and Eugenics 101. This 101 level workshop is an introduction to eugenics and population control. Eugenics is a popular scientific theory from the early 1900s. It is the biased belief that selective human breeding will produce white, able-bodied people that are superior to others. It is related to population control. Population control refers to when people in positions of power force or persuade others to get sterilized, use contraceptives, or have children. Both eugenics and population control undercut reproductive and disability justice. They show up today in reproductive abuses and campaigns to reduce population growth to save the planet. Now, here's why this concerns me. Who here knows what the ironclad law of woke projection is? Anyone in the chat? And while you guys are answering, I'm just going to take a quick look over at Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble. Who knows what the ironclad law of woke projection is? This is why this concerns me. The right doesn't talk like this. The right doesn't talk about this subject at all. Sam with the gold star. Accuse your enemies of what you yourself are doing. Why is the far left talking so much about eugenics, do you think, when there's no real threat of this from the right? Could it be that they might be projecting? I don't know that for sure. That's just a hunch. But I don't know. I don't know why they're talking about this so much. And it's really, quite frankly, disturbing. All right. Another session was grounding racial justice strategies in history of resistance. Communities have always gendered and reproductive oppressions that shaped the U.S. Past resistance has paved the way for today's racial justice movement. Opposition 101, a how-to and case study. This is one of the ones I went to. This was taught by our friend Heron, who we're going to be talking about in a second. Who the heck are all these anti-transgender doctors who keep testifying against gender-affirming care? Who are the opposition and how are they organized? Come find out how to answer these questions and learn more about the tactics being used by the far right to restrict bodily autonomy in the United States. So what they're trying to do, they are trying very hard to connect abortion and trans. And they're saying it's all under the realm of bodily autonomy. Let's just keep that in mind. Next up, uncovering belonging in the mess of queer of color critique. 
Queer color critique is a form of resistance born out of the inevitable mess that accompanies the QPOC narrative. I've never heard the term QPOC before this, which rejects the necessity of general belonging. Queer of color critique establishes a new sense of general belonging and safe spaces created for QPOC by QPOC, which continues to move and progress outside the, the traditional ideals of home. What this comes from is queer Marxism. If you have not yet been introduced to queer Marxism, I have done at least two episodes about um, uh, about it on Socialism Saturday. You can go find those episodes on the channel. Just search for queer Marxism on the channel. I promise you they'll come right up. Queer Marxism is, this is where the real next level insanity is. I'm sure we'll be doing many future episodes of queer Marxism, but essentially here is the too long didn't read. They want to eliminate the gender binary. They want to eliminate both men and women. They want everyone to be non-binary. Trans no longer means transition. It means transform. Okay? That's the language they're using. It doesn't mean transition from one to the other. It means transform into something new. That's what that comes from. Current legal issues and cases confronting the movement. This is just a, a legal thing. I don't want that's not as interesting as it could be. Let's keep going. Sharing. This is this is one of the shout your abortion things. I told you this is one of the abortion storyteller things. Sharing our abortion stories with the world. A closed space. Only we know how our experiences and abortion stories have shaped our lives. This storytelling workshop will help people who have had abortions understand the why behind abortion storytelling, prepare for media interviews, and can serve as a refresher for those who've already been sharing their abortion stories publicly. This is the first step in joining a community of support comprised entirely of people who have had abortions. Our stories are meaningful, impactful, and a gift for other people who have had and will have abortions in the future. If you had an abortion, we are delighted to have you join us for this training. If you have not had an abortion, we ask that you do not attend this workshop. We love you. And our goal is to create a supportive training space solely for people who have had abortions. What they're doing is they want people who have had abortions to go out into the world and say, abortion is great. Abortion is awesome. Here are all the reasons abortion is great. It wasn't uncomfortable at all. It was absolutely the right decision. God bless abortion. Thank God for abortion. That's what they want people to be doing. They're actually doing concerted efforts to train people how to do this at conferences. I really want people to think about that for a second. That wasn't the only one like this. We're going to run into another one. Building the Fire Fund, a fund to support Indigenous reproductive sovereignty. This workshop will tell the story of an organizing effort that has been ongoing for almost two years to build a national platform for Indigenous reproductive justice. 
racial justice beyond population control. There comes the eugenics thing again. Why do they keep talking about this? What could a collective movement reckoning with population control look like? How could it strengthen reproductive justice? Oh, not racial justice. I keep thinking RJ is racial justice, reproductive justice. I keep, I keep like assuming it's always about race, reproductive justice. It was a reproductive justice conference. My bad. Join us for shared consideration of those questions. We will jumpstart the conversation with suggested steps to uproot population control in today's reproductive justice and funding, uh, funding and programming. We compare dominant apo- approaches the paint population and fertility as a problem to be solved to transformative feminist approaches, which emphasize Black, Indigenous, and people of color. BIPOC. Feminist perspective. Here's the other abortion story one. We testify. Abort versation are abortion stories, also a closed space. This workshop seeks to give a private space so that you can explore how similar and different their experiences are from one another and speak openly about internal and external abortion stigma and other oppressions they face within their community and from the reproductive health rights and justice movements. Goals include participants gaining tools to process their own abortions, handle stigma from family, friends, and coworkers, and feel connected to other people who've had abortions. And this is the woman that inspired the title of the article. Kenya, Kenya Martin, she, her, is a reproductive justice activist, mama, black feminist, and program manager with We Testify, and an abortion storyteller for the last six years. They have multiple organizations that are specifically designed to teach women who have had abortions how to talk about their abortion in a positive way with the general public. What is the right doing to counter that? And again, I say this as someone who's pro-choice. Why doesn't the right do stuff like this? Why doesn't why don't pro-life organizations Take someone like a Kathy Barnett, who is awesome. Kathy Barnett ran for Senate in Pennsylvania in the last, uh, in the midterms, and she lost. But Kathy Barnett had this one ad that was so amazing. It was all about how Kathy's mother was, became pregnant with Kathy because of a rape when her mother was like 10. And she still decided to have Kathy. And it was a beautiful ad. It really was. It was one of the most It was one of the most powerful anti-abortion messages that I have ever seen. And I say that as someone who is pro-choice. That tugged my heartstrings. And I've met Kathy. Kathy's running around New Hampshire with Vivek Ramaswamy right now. I've, I've chatted with her several times. She's a wonderful lady. And I like, I'm wondering, like, why isn't the right taking someone like Kathy Barnett? By the way, they basically ostracized Kathy Barnett. Why aren't they taking her and saying, Kathy? Teach people how to tell the story like you did. Because the left is doing that. And that's why they're winning, guys. That's why they're winning. Because they are focusing effort on it. They are creating organizations around around this strategy. They're teaching people how to do it at their conferences. This doesn't happen at CPAC. I've been to CPAC twice. This doesn't happen at CPAC. Not in this way. 
And that's why the GOP is losing. Disability Dobbs and the Black Perspective This workshop will allow participants to explore the intersections of disability, racial justice, and queer trans liberation movements and how reproductive justice movements can better integrate a disability justice and pro-Black analysis in the work. Anti-supremacist training. This is another one that I went to. This was done by the head of the Institute for Research into Male Supremacy, which we're going to be watching for happy hour this week on Fridays. I've got a great presentation picked out for happy hour. You guys are going to love it. And I went to this live. Anti-supremacist training, understanding, encountering supremacist playbooks. This workshop will examine playbooks used and reused by supremacist movements, including white supremacists and male supremacists, to attack bodily autonomy and gender expression. These groups use the same tactics again and again to restrict abortion rights, undermine transgender humanity, limit sexuality education, and ban drag and queer performance. Join us for a session to obtain this knowledge of our opposition and develop innovative community-built community joy building and long-term strategies to combat supremacist and authoritarian culture and structures. Let me tell you this. The woman who presented this has no effing idea what she's talking about. The woman who presented this legitimately got her PhD from Yale studying right-wing structures and she has no effing idea what she's talking about this was one of those presentations where i was really glad i was wearing a mask because i um oh shit hang on facebook just lost my connection for some reason that's all right anyway we'll fix that later um this is one of those presentations where i was really glad i was wearing a mask because this woman said so much insane stuff that has no basis in reality on the political right at all that I was dying. I was like, nope, nope, wrong, wrong, not right. Nope. And again, I say this, I'm not a conservative. I'm not on the right, but I've spent enough time with them hinged into reality that I understand how they work. This woman doesn't know what she's talking about. You guys are going to have a great time when we get to this. You you guys are going to be shocked at what this woman thinks about the right. It's total derangement syndrome. There she is, Alex. Dr. Alex, PhD from Yale, doesn't know what she's talking about. Here's a fun one to go along with the self-managed abortion tour. Self-managed abortion with reproductive justice lens. Self-managed abortion is a way to decolonize and demedicalize abortion care in our communities, taking back our community's cultural practices and knowledge of our bodies. Come learn why by walk and non-binary people are more likely to self-manage an abortion, how new efforts to criminalize abortion target our communities, and ways to safely share information about self-managed abortion in the community. Join Abortion on Your Own Terms for a look at self-managed abortion. Now, you know what's funny about this? So this is the woman that gave me the self-managed abortion tour. I found her Twitter account. Look what she tweeted. Isn't that nice? The woman who gave me the self-managed abortion tour that we talked about yesterday tweeted out a picture of a cake that says, fuck you, 
we will always have abortions. Doesn't, you know, just perfectly lovely, perfectly lovely. WTF is by walk. Black, indigenous, women of color. I'm kind of shocked they put the W, to be honest. Like, they really should have done people. But that's what that means. Your map is my map with black feminist futures. The same fascist policies and ideology that oppress transgender people are responsible for abortion bans. I told you they're trying to integrate abortion and trans issues and make it into a bodily autonomy thing. Our map to liberation, ding, 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 is shared and our struggle is interconnected. In this workshop, Black Feminist Futures, Yemi, will present a mapping project in collaboration with the Transgender Strategy Center of the shared political landscape that Repro Justice and Gender Justice share. Black Body Culture, a discussion on body image. This actually, I didn't really mind this one. This was a dis- this was a discussion about like loving your body and stuff like that. Okay, fine, like whatever. I actually don't have a problem with this one at all. You got to acknowledge when they do things right, okay? A broken clock is right twice a day. We give credit where credit is due, even if we don't like them and think most of their ideas are crazy. Reproductive Justice 101. Reproductive justice is the foundational framework to understanding the intersections of systemic oppression and the rights to bodily autonomy. In this workshop, we will share the definition and history of the reproductive justice movement, how this framework is distinguished from reproductive health and reproductive rights, and the intersecting systems of oppression that must be dismantled to fully realize our collective vision. Interesting word choice there, isn't that? Collective. Almost like they're saying collective versus individual because they see themselves as a collective. Do you know who else sees themselves as a collective? Marxists. RJing abortion. The facilitators will introduce the process of viewing the history and politics of abortion through the reproductive justice lens. In their book, A Work in Progress, with the co-author Loretta Ross, who there was a student at this uh, at this event who was a TA for Loretta Ross. Apparently, she teaches at Smith College. They call this RJing abortion and explain how this more expansive approach guides political analysis and action. And then our closing keynote, and I have to be honest, the closing keynote was really disappointing to me because the closing keynote was a giant mess of word salad. This woman said nothing. I really mean that. I have very few notes for the closing keynote because this woman was basically like, like, yeah, power and and ableism and and anti-blackness and collective and and we need to work together and and power and and ableism. She said the same thing over and over and over and over and over again and it had no content at all. It was just word salad. But here's the description. Black queer feminist cultural and memory worker curator and organizer Kara Page will close out the Collective Power 2023 by speaking to this political moment and grounding us in the healing justice lineage. She will set the tone for the future of centering BIPOC and trans liberation, ding, 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 and addressing how we can cultivate resistance, resiliency, and respond to generational trauma and build collective power for the future. And you know what's funny about that? Is here's Kara Page on Good Morning America 
with Patrice Colors. Who is Patrice Colors? Does anyone remember who Patrice is? Does anyone remember? The closing keynote for the Collected Power Conference was on Good Morning America with Black Lives Matter co-founder and trained Marxist Patrice Colors. Remember how they all did that video about how they were trained Marxists? Yep, just saying. Matt M., thank you for the super chat. I sometimes wonder if the left has been infiltrated to make them look crazy. Then I meet leftists and realize they really are. No, they really are crazy. They really are in real life. Not everyone on the left is crazy. But we're talking right now, what we focus on is the farthest of the far left. Okay? These are socialists. These are not moderate Democrats. These people hate moderate Democrats. They hate them. They talk about how much they hate them all the time. And so I really want people to understand these are not just your normal kind of like centrist, like, you know, suburban mom that has the job outside the house that, you know, takes the kids to talk. That's not what this is. This is the farthest of the far left. These are the extremists. This is the minority. But sadly, these people control the talking points of the Democratic Party. Everything these people say, and this is why we actually started watching Socialism Saturday to begin with, everything these people say two, three, four, five years later ends up in the key talking points of the Democratic Party. And so when you watch Socialists and you come to Socialism Saturday on Saturdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, What you're going to hear is lunacy that in a couple years from now is going to show up on CNN. This is where defund the police came from. This is where the riots of 2020 were birthed from, except they were talking about it years before in the open on YouTube in interviews. And then a couple years later, it becomes the main talking points of the Democratic Party. That is why it's important to pay attention to this. Because it might seem like it's like, you know, it's entertaining. It is entertaining. Don't get me wrong. But but we're doing it for a reason. Because we're looking into the crystal ball and we're seeing the future and we're seeing where it's going. And I promise you, if people don't start stepping up and fighting back, everything you're hearing about this socialism conference is going to become mainstream and it's going to happen within a couple of years. It's not even going to be that long of a time. A couple of years. fun times. And after that, we ate crackers and cheese and had mocktails. And I hauled ass out of there, man. As soon as that last keynote was done, I hauled ass to my car. I was like, I got to get out of here before they realize who I am and they kidnap me and hold me for ransom or something. And so that, ladies and gentlemen, was the second part of my multi-part series about my day with the socialists. That is the abortion storytellers. The series is going to continue, hopefully tomorrow. Tomorrow, I am planning on releasing the... Let's see if I have it right here um, at the ready. Let's see. Hang on. Oh, no. Oh, found it. Wait, no, didn't. Okay, never mind. All of my papers just fell on the floor, but I promise I have it. 
I have a four-page list of all of the trans books that they're recommending for elementary schoolers. So if you want a list of every single trans and non-binary book that you just want to keep an eye out for, maybe like, you know, in your kid's bag or at the library, things like that. And I say that I don't approve of book banning. I don't like the book banning stuff. I'm just saying, like, if you want to keep an eye out for stuff, I will tell you the exact titles of the books that you need to keep an eye out for. I will give you the entire list. And I was given this by an organization in Western Massachusetts that starts working with trans and non-binary children at two years old. Whole list. All the books. All the books for kids. All the books for young adults. All the books for educators. I've got it. And we're going to be releasing that on the Substack, carlin.substack.com. So please make sure you're subscribed. And if you want to support the work I'm doing, again, five bucks a month, 50 bucks a year, you guys keep me in business. And I am looking to go to another socialism conference in a couple of months, and every little bit helps. And so when you guys fund my work, I not only give you weekly updates about what I'm doing and how I'm spending my time, but you are going to contribute to me bringing you more information about the far, far left, which I love doing. I love digging into deep dystopia. And it is hard to look at sometimes, but I think it's important. And I try to provide a nuanced perspective that is not outrage culture. I do not believe in outrage porn. I believe in nuance and context and giving you guys the full set of information so that you can decide for yourselves what to do with it. I'm not making any decisions for you. I'm not going to rile you up. In fact, I want everyone to be as calm as possible. Outrage culture is not helpful. Outrage culture is not going to allow us to win. And I know that there have been times in the past when I've been pissed off. You can go back and watch some of my videos. I've cried on the internet. I've shouted on the internet. I've called names on the internet. I've done all manner of things. I have gotten into outrage culture from time to time. But what I've learned on my journey is that it is not healthy, nor is it productive to engage in outrage. And so we're keeping it as calm as possible so that we can look at things with a clear head and we can make the best decisions for ourselves moving forward.